Outsiders Only. This is Sky Terror. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Before we begin today's show, I would like to bring you a special public service announcement. On this show, we've talked about many topics, mainly Sky Terror, as it is a Sky Terror podcast, but also several ancillary interests of our community and our guests. However, today we need to talk about friendship. Friendship is a very important thing in the human life. Relationships foster over mutually shared experiences. Sometimes it's over a series of small, individually inconsequential events that help to form a lasting friendship. Sometimes it takes only one large, substantial event to form this kind of bond. And by the same token, friendships can also be destroyed by a single event. Over the past year, I have worked with a number of great people in this community, including one of our co-hosts here, Zerigal. In the last episode, for those of you who tuned in, Zerigal committed a grievous offense to me by superimposing a photoshopped image of Kenwi over my user image. This is an offense that cannot be forgiven. And so, Zerigal, we're done. <laughs> All right, enough of this. Let's get this shit show started for today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 39 of the Sky Tear Podcast, Outsiders Only, the Sky Tear Podcast for the fans, of the fans, and by the fans. I am the commander reporting in for duty and joining me on the crew side again, as always, my newest ex-best friend, Zerigal. <laughs> Hello there. Welcome to the show. <laughs> and we also have the person who was never my friend in the first place, Ryan. That's Welcome to the, the club, Zerigal. It's, it's yeah. lonely here. But so, slowly getting larger, as I believe you're now like the fifth person here. RG, you need to stop losing friends. Uh, well, that's very true. <laughs> but you know what? maybe I'm just picky. So maybe think, you're the problem. Maybe That is I true. Think, yeah, you know, yeah, I if think. one person upsets you, maybe they're the bad person. If everyone upsets you, maybe you're the bad person. Very true. I think the problem is on your side, RG. Almost certainly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I couldn't resist. Um, yeah, I noticed. Helmets. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't resist <laughs> to ask uh, for this beautiful artwork. And um, yeah, I best. mean, we yeah, we, <laughs> we had to combine your hate for Kenui uh, with the love for helmets. I mean, I mean, we we could have just put a picture of Yami there, and everyone would have been happy. But you know, yeah, but it's no, no, not the people who love seeing you suffer. Yeah, well, that's fair, but that's you yourself <laughs> and nobody. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's what about boring. all the friends you've lost? We've just been through this. <laughs> all right, that's fair. Anyways, and speaking speaking of how important relationships and friends are, yeah, we're not talking about that. We're about talking you. about outsiders. <laughs> we are not going down that alley very much. So. Uh, one of our long-awaited <laughs> topics of discussion, I know we talked uh, that we would discuss this probably close to two months ago, early on in January, uh, and then the Near East said, hey, by the way, we're going to flip this game upside down, just to <laughs> let you know, and so we thought, okay, well, maybe not a good idea to talk about this immediately then, because if you're going to do a whole bunch of rules changes, what we say might no longer apply, and so now we are finally going to start getting into some of those discussions. I know a lot of you have had questions both you know, on some deck building tips, strategies, archetypes, ideas, but also outsider selection. Uh, with the changes to Ash and Pass being that the loser of the coin flip has the possibility of selecting their own outsider um, if the winner chooses to go first or second, which on Ash and Pass typically is the case, although not always, of course. Uh, we thought that we would take a look at today's episode discussing the six outsiders, some of their pros and cons, and what you might bring uh, why you might bring each one of them to your particular game, both on the two-lane map and on the Ashen Pass. Yeah. 
God. Do we remember who initially asked this question like two months ago? I don't, I'm afraid. Uh, if I was if I was more organized and a better host, then uh, I would have looked that up. But I, <laughs> I was too busy s- writing my rant for the opening. I want to say it was Victor, but I'm not sure about that. We're and, gonna and give Victor was, the credit. It was a real long opening. It was, but it was very much needed. I feel much better now. <laughs> yeah, it was Alexei. Ah, Alexei. Okay. Which uh, outsider to consider and the pros and cons. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay, okay, very good. So, Alexei, we thank you for this question. We apologize uh, that it's taken us two, two months or so to get here, and now we will finally address this. So, we decided that it would probably be best if we kind of went roughly in order of their popularity. So, we'll start off with the original outsider, the silent ambassador. We'll talk about then the terror of the endless night and dark vigilante. And then finally, the more neglected ones. Um, the Lord of the Ancestors and the Scourge of Puido. And then after we kind of discuss about the six outsiders, I think then we'll kind of broaden the discussion to just kind of our first impressions about season two in general. Yeah, makes sense. So with that being said, let's take our, our first list here with the, uh, or first look at our list here, Outsider, the OG. 20 HP, two armor, has the unique characteristic of not being able to move, occupies three hexes, has the abilities... Uh, draw a card, target ally hero takes a worship action, and a piercing shockwave. Also deals three plus your flip at ranged. So, you know, overall, I think one of the pros is it's very versatile. Um, You can always use a case, I think, where you're going to be worshiping your heroes. Uh, Obviously, if you're playing perhaps a straight blue team and you've already worshiped all of them, that might not necessarily be needed there. But on the other hand, if you know that you're going to set up for another turn, you can use the you know divine conduit to worship there. Drawing a card's always nice, uh, and then the shockwave just helps you reposition. So, what are your guys' thoughts on the outsider? Well, um, the big old outsider. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I think it's the best outsider to start with. Mm-hmm. As you said, it's uh, quite versatile, and <clears throat> now with the new rules, I think um, it can survive longer than before. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully. Uh, as for example hunting for power could be a victory condition that you want to fulfill and Mm -hmm. maybe with uh, the og it's a bit more difficult for the enemy to achieve this Mm -hmm. um i think the the good stuff is that you draw a power card for example and that Mm -hmm. for i mean for every player that's always interesting to have more cards in hand and um, to have to discard cards, then uh, not be able to play any reactions or something right. <clears throat> to the enemy's plans. And yeah, uh, as you mentioned, uh, warship action is quite yeah or nearly always helpful, um, depending on the on the team constellation that you're bringing to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, but you can easily change uh, the divine conduit, which is the the ability, the name of the, mm-hmm. um, with the attack action, for example, yeah, three plus a flip card is is very solid damage yes. that you provide to an enemy. And yeah. it's ranged too, which is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. It's this is important. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is really important. And uh, did you mention that the shockwave pushes the enemy hero? To yes. Access? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, yeah. the shockwave very useful for repositioning to two pushes and also does piercing damage. So you know, if you flip that against one of the tanks, Brilvar. Uh, particular, you know, Brilvar tries to sit himself down in your team, taunting some of them. You can just shockwave him, uh, potentially reposition him such that he doesn't taunt your heroes anymore. 
It's also very useful if you are planning to go for hunting for power and trying to do it all in yes. one activation. Mm. You can push somebody away so they have don't have a hero in range to interact. Indeed. And since we said, you know, talking about a little pros and cons, I know, Ryan, you actually have a, a bit of a different view on how the outsider with hunting for power works with the new rules. So why don't you go ahead and, and discuss your, your thoughts on that? I know you touched on that in Sky Tear Sunday earlier today. Correct. So generally speaking, the outsider has more HP and more armor. So it's generally right. harder to kill Indeed. than the other outsiders. However, as long as you have piercing, it's not that much harder to kill with more armor. And with the new rules for season two of the outsider, where they can take an action over the time they take damage, uh, one of the more effective ways to kind of prevent the opponent from getting the kill if they're going for it is to use the move and just run away. Right. But the OG Outsider cannot move, so it is stuck where it is. So mm -hmm. if you're planning to string together a lot of different effects, say if you're using a blue deck built Shill of You with Revenge, Who you can get a lot of revenge. Like hmm. Only Ryan. a degenerate would. Um, <laughs> but it prevents it from running away. Also, if you're doing like a Neliklin or actually anyone with a Rampant Hatred play, you can get. Yep. They can't just run away from you. Yes. So I actually think if you're trying to go for big, like big plays, you're trying to kill the outsider on one activation. Mm -hmm. It is the easiest outsider to kill as long as you have pierce. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you're doing enough damage in bursts that you know mm -hmm. two armor isn't really much of anything. Right. Like a gold yarn plus twelve skirmish. Oh, it only yeah. does ten damage. Oh darn! I've only yeah. done half of its HP in one one action. <laughs> Woe is me. Yeah. True. Um. <clears throat> other things so if we're talking about why you would use the og versus mm -hmm. not use it i yes. think my personal opinion is i think it's generally better to have in a blue or red deck than a yellow or green deck okay uh because of how the warship actions work the mm -hmm. marks and shapeshifts um go away a lot more often so right. the and worship that, you uh, get mm -hmm. the the worship action essentially is more expensive as in sure. because with sure. the with the illusion and pillars unless they get somebody uses an action to kill it it's there right it's a persisting effect from the pillar right. or venture. but with the blue or the red you know as soon as a hero exhausts it's gone so being able to use that action to get it back and not have to use that on your act on your turn can be extremely valuable mm -hmm. now there mm -hmm. obviously are still values like Eckert repositioning her illusion so you can set it for a mini yes. till the next round. Like, yep. there are obviously always advantages for the other colors getting those worship abilities. But Indeed. I think, generally speaking, more often that you will get value out of it, more value out of it in blue and red. Yeah, that's, I would say so as well. So f you can use it, for example, for green heroes, but I see, yeah, the advantages um, <clears throat> can be situational or quite situational, let's mm -hmm. say. I mean, let's look at Ashen Pass, for example, sure. then you might not really need to reposition illusions. Right, as yeah, because it's you such just a small map. Put them down and right in the middle of the lane, then you nearly get the effects everywhere where mm -hmm. you need them. Um, mm -hmm. I could imagine more, effect, uh, more effectiveness uh, to green heroes, as for example, Akla could give a mm, final blow, yep. for example, yep. with removing one of the pillars, or Sakao could kill a minion, uh, Trakari could heal a hero a, a little bit. Right. That Those are options, but it, this is situational and needs some preparation as well. Mm -hmm. So, like pillar positioning, right. uh, which and... I think is a bit more complicated than just use uh, the warship of, let's say, Brilva or, or Yami, for example, which is, yeah quite obvious 
Especially if you have like a full blue team too, where mm-hmm. you know, and your guys are all close together. You know, a worship action, a heal, an armor. Yeah, absolutely. Plus one skirmish for gold and then off whatever, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can trigger avenges. It, it just that one worship be three or four different effects. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So, uh, in total, I would say uh, I would stay with uh, I'll stick uh, to what I said in the beginning that it's um, the most one of the most versatile outsiders, yes. and uh, I think it's the best one to get into the game. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it comes with the core set, so like that's probably <clears throat> yeah. going to be everyone's first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, one, uh, another good use of it is uh, if you are running a red deck with Provoke the Beast, he is the most versatile mm-hmm. hero for Provoke the Beast. You can use it on one side of the white line, and the, the outsider can see across, mm-hmm. and you can hit yes. somebody that you can't even see, from and basically from like six hexes away as the outsider is ranged. So if you're running provoke the, if you're running a red deck with provoke the beast, the OG outsider is probably the go-to for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, makes a, sense. I'm interested to see. I, I'm interested to see if we have a lot more provoke plays now that the uh the rules have changed with with cards like provoke and rampant wherein you can't get that piercing. Uh if for example, you know, before Nelicon played Rampant Hatred or Sitheru or Kichi played Provoke the Beast then the attack would actually be piercing, which was kind of a little nutty, to be honest. Um, but if your opponent's mm-hmm. running a, a, a low armor or a, a low durability team, then even without the piercing, you know, still getting that three plus flip on the range from the outsider for one mana is pretty cool. Absolutely. And while we're talking about red, I think another really cool thing you can do with the outsider, um, you can have Kichi take a worship action to <laughs> predict, like, predict like three cards just before you draw your two cards for the round. Or yes. three cards if you draw with the outsider too, and really stack which can be very strong. Yeah, you can see what's coming and decide: Do I need to draw this card, or should I just pitch it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And just uh, just because since we we talked about you know what the uh, choices here are, I have the metagame stats page uh, up on the Skytear website. So mm-hmm. based on results of all of these are based on four thousand one hundred and seventy-two battle reports. Uh, the original outsider actually has. A pick rate of 36%. So basically one in every three games features OG. Wow. At least of the reported games. Obviously, Mm -hmm. a lot of games aren't reported. Um, You know, as as players and teams might do some some interesting testing and they don't want to necessarily allow people to scour the battle reports. But out of reported games, we do see the OG being selected about one third of the time. That's impressive. It is. Any uh, additional thoughts we have on OG? I I think we've covered it fairly fairly well i, I think so all right yep. let's move on then to our next topic here the silent ambassador once a uh outsider that had a pick rate hovering in the one to two percent range after they changed her ability with the wormhole um to be able to target herself saw a lot of increase especially also as people realized just how disruptive she could be so silent ambassador uh again another great outsider a three-ranged attack similar to the OG, spawn conditions must be along the perimeter of the dome in which she resides. Her special abilities, of course, include the wormhole, as I mentioned, target a friendly, or excuse me, target a hero within three hexes, use them to change places with another hero within four hexes. And so breaking kind of Skyterra's traditional rule of three there, uh, really able to disrupt the battlefield by being able to change people with the wormhole. Additionally, predict... Uh, always useful to take a look at a card. And then finally, my favorite ability, I think, is the Stone Storm, which lays down a 2x2 two two area, dealing 1 damage plus a flip, 
and then slowing every enemy hero hit. So especially on Ashen Pass, whenever people are more likely to be clumped up as everyone has indicated so far today, really good. If you use that wormhole, you can almost always snare two to three people in the slow and really, really improve your chances of controlling them. Absolutely. Um, she's my number one pick. Yes. As outsider. Uh, I really love her because of the abilities that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I think <clears throat> she's not the best um outsider to start with or to begin or I agree. beginner friendly yes um as the abilities the special abilities like the wormhole or the stone storm for example um might be a bit difficult to get into or to, to prepare for a beginner uh, in the game so i wouldn't recommend to start with her right away but mm -hmm. uh, to have a deep look into her ability so we see the same amount of damage possible or even more damage possible with her as mm -hmm. she has a one plus a card flip yep to the stone storm right and her <clears throat> repositioning abilities are much more stronger than of the og yes yeah sure so yeah there's so many options always in the games and yeah you mentioned ashen pass but even for two lane um she can be really disruptive Indeed. in the game Indeed. like uh putting enemy heroes together to place a stone storm afterwards and then yeah maybe even kill minions or mm -hmm. do a blast on a hero something like that i think that's she's a really powerful outsider i really love to play yeah in terms of pure damage in a flip deck she is probably the best and just overall able to deal the most damage um the og outsider we talked about if the warship action is allowed to get like a damage effect on then mm -hmm. but yeah but town ambassador also has the ability to hit multiple heroes with the storm and also yes. slow them in the process so in yes. terms of pure damage in a flip if you're running a flip deck and you just want the most damage output she's a great option there then the farsight predictability could be so good at either trying to hit those high modifiers for those abilities or to set up your draws for the next round yes yeah, yeah I mean and then the movement ability can always be yes. talked about I've won Absolutely. so many games being to just swap the right hero, whether it's mm -hmm. mine or my opponents, into into the correct position using that wormhole. Like it's just so good, and and I think that's you know one of the the cons is as Zergal mentioned, she can be a little bit difficult to use for new players as you try to figure out you know exactly how positioning works on the board and mm -hmm. and movement effects and all that stuff so i think that would be kind of the con is there is a little bit of a learning curve in order to using the silent ambassador effectively but once you do mm -hmm. very very good overall similar to the outsider the original og outsider um a very good overall solid choice um obviously just a little bit more limited as some of her abilities are um not quite as universally good they're 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 almost universally good mm -hmm. um and as as ryan mentioned if you're running a flip deck she does have pretty much the the highest dps output potential um mm -hmm. without obviously we're not talking about the scourge since you're going to hurt yourself in the same process so i'm not yeah uh i think the biggest reason not to run the silent ambassador and it's the main reason i don't run her in a lot mm -hmm. of my decks is because of that point I was mentioning before about how she's very good in flip decks and can deal a yes. lot of damage. Mm -hmm. If you have a deck that does not have the highest modifiers, right, it's very possible that your opponent will be able to use her a lot more effectively. You have to remember when you bring an outsider to the table, either player can win it. So you want oh. to try mm -hmm. and bring an outsider that's good with your plan and won't hurt you as much. And Silent Ambassador, if your opponent has a flip deck, can hurt you a lot. Yes. So if you don't have high modifiers, I do not recommend bringing Yes. 
And again, looking at uh, her all-time stats, as I did mention, originally was sitting about that 1% to 2% usage rate. It was the lowest of the six outsiders in the beginning. And then mm-hmm. after we started figuring out how to use her, I think it was, it was mostly around the end of summer, fall of 2020 that we really started to see, hey, by the way, this outsider is really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Now overall has a usage rate of 13%. Um, OG still is by and far the most popular, but we are going to see that it is about the same usage percent for the other five, uh, which is good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing I should point out, um, sure. like the uh, the OG, the mm-hmm. Sound Ambassador is ranged. So if you're running Provoke the yes, Beast, indeed. Sound Ambassador is also a good option with Provoke the Beast. So if you're running an aggressive red deck, high modifiers too, mm-hmm. and you want to and you run Provoke the Beast, Sound Ambassador might be a better option than OG Outsider. Even though you can't use it through white lines like the OG Outsider, you do have the advantage of it being very good with those high modifier flows. Yep. That's why you just swap them with Wormhole, and now they're on the other side of the white line. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, any final thoughts on Silent Ambassador? No. I'm okay. Totally okay. We're going to be silent about it. (laughs) Ah, you two are not the only one that can make bad jokes. All right. (laughs) That's our job. Stop stealing our job. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Terror of the Endless Night is up next, I guess. I mean, you can't just uh, cut off our friendships and then even the bad jokes. Ah, uh, <laughs> it's too much. Oh well, you know what? That's tough. Sometimes you just have to deal with life like that, Zergal. See, this is why you don't be friends with him in the first place. I mean, yes, actually, cutting off the friendship the and the jokes. Yeah, cut off one of them. Don't, don't be, don't be friends with me in the first place. Is actually the correct response here. <laughs> I'm All right. Trying- Trying to dry my tears here. Yeah, I'll I'll ship you a tissue. Okay. <clears throat> that's what weeks, friends do. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's going to be used and dirty, so obviously not. What? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I am a terrible person. Thanks for that image. This is Absolutely. this is going to be a terror, right? Uh, that is right. We're going to take a look now at the terror of the endless night, and also I'm, known I'm as not terror of the endless one. Also known as terror of the endless words. Yes. I believe is what they called it at release, right? Possibly. Like I, I'm pretty sure that's no, what they called it once they gave name. me commentating power. Fun yeah. fact, they actually have the text on the name of that card smaller than every other card because they have to they have to shrink it to fit the name there. Oh, really? Oh, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at that card. Now you're right. It is slightly smaller. <laughs> All right, fun factoid. So Terror of the Endless Night. So the Terror must spawn in a cover hex. Three main ability. Uh, again, it is a uh, 18 HP, one armor. Three attack, however, it is a melee card. Unlike the previous two, this one has to be a melee range. Special abilities include Nightmarish Roar. Push each hero one hex and apply slow to them. That hits a three hex panel in front of you, very similar to what Soul Scream's AoE or what Gulburn's Ursine Rage ability hits. We'll talk about that later. We know how much you love it. Uh, Dreadful Majesty, place the target hero adjacent to the Terror of the Endless Night and apply the Disarm condition to them. And finally, Bloodlust. Apply the Frenzy condition to target adjacent friendly heroes. So, take it away, gents. What do we think on this one? We did well, forget to mention oh. that, <clears throat> for example, this is uh, Gulbian's outsider yes. form, let's say. And yes. the Silent Ambassador is Ishatos in Correct. his outsider form. Okay. Yes. Correct. That Just is not true. to forget this background. The OG yeah. outsider is its own thing. It's not a form of another hero. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, the other it's five like... are all corrupted versions of Yeah. Yeah. Um so one thing I wanna so one thing about the Terror of the Endless Night is um it is as it has to spawn in a cover hex, mm-hmm. it its spawn positioning is one of the least versatile of all of the outsiders. You don't have the most yes. options for it and 
your opponent, if they're going to lose the dome, can kind of position their heroes in ways to either block your spawn position or mm -hmm. make it so your spawn positions aren't as effective. Yes. Um, so that's probably its biggest weakness, the limited spawn options. I um, agree with that entirely. One other thing I forgot to mention about the Silent Ambassador, um, it, especially on the two-lane map, it can be positioned ad adjacent to the dome perimeter, so it has probably the most versatile of these spawn positions. See, Ryan, mm -hmm. if you would have listened to me before I mentioned that, clearly you don't care about me either. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Alright, I'm over it already. You, you, just, you just keep that tissue, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. After I'm done crying, I'm going to ship it over to Germany and then you can use it too. It'll be the communal tissue. <laughs> Oh, is only this seems this is this seems very unsafe in a COVID world. Uh, I mean, it's unsafe in any world, let alone a COVID. <laughs> world. So yeah, speak of the terror of the endless night and COVID. Oh yeah, that yeah, that's the running joke. Is is that uh, Ryan oh. and I have, have done that on several occasions because the the terror um, with the nightmarish roar ability, you can basically have the terror being the uh, the CDC yelling at everyone who's close by and pushing them oh, okay. so they can socially distance on the map. Yeah. Or he goes up to them and sneezes them, and they all get uh, sneezes on them, and they all jump back and get slowed and weakened because they just got COVID. Also, an interpretation. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask. It's it's a, it's a long thing, Zergal. You're you're honestly better off just running. Okay, with it. and and his bloodlust ability then is a vase sign or what? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, you, you get that injection, you get that plasma infusion. Whether you know, we're not going to list uh, which vaccine it is exactly because we haven't been paid by our sponsors for them. Uh, yes. But you know, you get that injection and you're feeling, you know, pepped up and ready to go, and uh, then you go and smack someone harder than you normally would, since frenzy now changed to a plus two skirmish, plus two yeah. attack versus double attack. Yeah, and so anyway, talking about the terror, uh, as uh. As Zargo just mentioned, was mentioning previously, the Silent Ambassador his, is his favorite. Terror of the Endless Night is probably my favorite, especially mm -hmm. on uh, Ashen Pass, and I love using him with blue heroes, especially. Yep. Especially in decks that are built around Golbjarn, the one who he is yeah, uh, yeah. the corrupted form of. So, and especially if I'm first player, because mm -hmm. one thing that's really, you can use him, the uh, disarm, what was it called? The... Uh, uh, Dreadful Majesty. Dreadful Majesty ability yeah. <laughs> can yoink heroes away, kind of similar to the Silent Ambassador, mm -hmm. and then also slow here. So if he can kind of organize um, and reorient your opponent's heroes so they are kind of lined up for a giant Goldgarn skirmish to hit multiple heroes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Also, I think him, the Terror of the Endless Night has been probably the most affected by the rules up. I would also agree with that, yeah, because of how with, disarm and, and frenzy have changed. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. So being able to disarm a hero is now can be more useful or less useful depending on how you're using it. But if you're right. in like a control matchup and your opponent, you know, maybe doesn't have the highest modifiers, mm -hmm. and they have, you can use it on say an Estrita. And now if Estrita hits a zero or a minus one on that attack, she won't get to kill a minion or spawn a minion, which is beautiful. Yes. yes. Also, in certain decks that are very skirmish based, like you might see with like a Rampant Hatred or Golbjarn yes. or Kotlik, stuff like that, mm -hmm. that frenzy ability can now be more useful in that it, it also boosts that skirmish, not just the attack. Yeah. yeah absolutely. absolutely. So if so, you love Golbjarn and are building a deck around Golbjarn, that terror. is the hero for you. That is the outsider for you. So, in other <laughs> words, if you're building a deck around Golbjarn, bring extra Golbjarn. Perfect. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Just bring two. You want one, you get two. 
Yeah, sounds good. Um, one, get one free. So, so uh, Dreadful Majesty is basically a modified version of Grapple, right? Uh, yes, that banned. is correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Grapple. And persists. persists Pour one out for the Grapple. Outsider. Yes. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, the other thing about the Terra is you can also just use to grab a hero three hexes away, mm-hmm. put him behind you, and then push them and slow them, and basically put a hero so far away from the action that they can, in some cases, be completely useless for yes. that, yeah. that whole round. Yep. Uh, note, that is not as effective against Yami, because Yami's worship ability just lets you basically, basically undo that entire yes. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yami does not fall for these kinds of shenanigans, and that yeah. is why she's awesome, among yeah. other reasons. Okay. She can still move, like, 20 hexes. That is correct. Even when slowed, she can still move across half the map. <laughs> god i love that hero so much and she even got buffed like that was my personal favorite part is everyone was complaining about yami and rightfully so like i'm not so biased uh that i won't admit that i think yami is a totally busted hero um but she got even better since now even if you stop the mark from coming down from her worship action with like a release the spirits or whatever Mm -hmm. the worship action still goes off and she still teleports god i love that champion she was awesome that's really crazy. Speaking of red heroes getting buffed and talking about disarm with the terror. Oh uh, God, no! We're not going to talk about Miyuki. I, <laughs> uh, Miyuki, if you're using disarms and Miyuki, you can prevent um, minion kills now too, which is yes. a nice little interesting use of Miyuki. So mm. I think. Oh yeah. Yami, red yellow decks using Yami and Miyuki. Both of those heroes got buffed. Definitely some options there. Yeah, I I think we're gonna see a lot of that, especially because the uh, March World Qualifier is on the Ashen Pass. I am not going to be surprised if we see a lot of Yamis and Ukis on that. Yeah, well, we'll find out next weekend, but we'll we talk will. about that later. I will, I will be checking yeah, the Discord because I'll be in class, but I will leave it to you two to do the scouting for us. Hmm. All right. Uh, and also, other... of course, uh, well, just to, to note, the Terror of the Endless Night, actually one of the higher uh, usage percentages of the non-OG Outsider, coming in at 15% overall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Didn't you say the Sound Ambassador was 13? I did, Yes. So Terra is more than the Sound of Acid. That is correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, so okay. I, 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 meant, I meant compared to the original Outsider. Yeah, no, I just thought we were doing them in uh, order of uh, usage here. Uh, yeah, we were, uh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 was, that was flexible. Uh, Listen, you got to be flexible. Yeah. <laughs> Until you it's found a... out that it's uh, <laughs> out of numbers. The sample, God, who, who put these in order? The sample size here is only 4,172. There's still some plus or minus error on the standard deviations, okay? Nope. Look, it was the guy who was wearing a helmet, so he couldn't really see numbers before. So accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still uh, imagining a Yami wearing a helmet. That honestly, I'm that just, one was good. The Kenry one I'm was imagining Kenry wearing a helmet. Yeah, yeah. well, that's because you like to be a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> Can you please become king of the dome at some point, please? I want to make you use Kenry. Like if <laughs> I participated in that. I would probably just play it for fun. And then even as I'm yeah. like right about to win, it's like, oh, I've got five points on Tactician. I'm just going <laughs> to immediately get all of my heroes away from the control points and out of the dome. Uh... Because there's absolutely no... Like, Eric doesn't even need to start a poll for what hero. Like, I can just watch the Kenway numbers ratchet up to like 50 immediately. Like, if we if we take a look at Grey Ghost right now in the, uh, in the Discord, as of right now, we're doing this on Sunday night. Shadris has eight votes, Nantaka has five votes, Sakoshi has three votes, and Gilburin has nine votes. Like, Kenway would just oh. have 25 votes 
and everyone else would just be at one because Eric I puts know, them there to vote on. But I have a suggestion if you, uh, how you can prevent that. Uh, bring Kenway and let her die? Play. Yes, bring Kenui just in your first game. Yeah, absolutely and le- not. And let her die. Absolutely so, not. <laughs> absolutely just, not. Just throw her right out in the front ter- right out in front of three of like three mages and yeah, just be like, just... here, hit me, kill me. Yeah, maybe if Clinton becomes king of the dome, I'll sign up for that because that's pretty much the only way that's going to work out. Yeah, so just two lane, put her into the dome, let her roast, and then... Oh, what a shame. I lost her. I guess oh. I can't bring her anymore. Darn. That yeah. would also require me beating Clinton, which is not exactly... You're using your tissue very often today, right? It's true. Like, at this point, like, this this is this is going to start pulling apart here with the amount of saturation we've got. Are, are, we picking on you, are we picking on you too much? Nope, I'm great. <laughs> I have... Are you sure? I, I can bring up a more pleasant topic. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Still not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Next topic here. Uh, Dark Vigilante. Let's talk about this one. The Dark Vigilante is Habarat's corrupted uh, form here from the, the Sky Tear Lore universe. Dark Vigilante was actually pretty popular um, in the summer. Uh, we saw a lot of Dark Vigilante. The Dark Vigilante must spawn adjacent to either a tower or nexus, and note that the tower does have to be alive. So if you have lost your tower on the two-lane map, Dark Vigilante cannot spawn next to it. Uh, And then the Dark Vigilante is known for having a number of modifying skirmishing abilities, um, which actually, interestingly enough, would make it very, very good if you applied Frenzy to Dark Vigilante somehow. Uh, I'm sure there's some kind of weird shenanigan that we could do, uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but if there was some way to get a a frenzy, mark exhaustion, uh, would that work though? Doesn't don't you have to have a friendly hero to swap the condition with exhaustion? No, no, you no. you swap it on an enemy. Yes. Oh, is it an enemy? Oh, if it's if on it's an enemy, an yeah, enemy there it is. then you swap it. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, I thought it was an ally. Okay, well you can. See That's actually a really cool system. idea. You can use with like a, <laughs> um, you can kind of use that in like a, a red deck. Bring the uh, dark vigilante and then just frenzy it. Yeah, and then you. And if you lose it, if you lose it, you exhaustion it and turn into disarm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Um, so Dark Vigilante's special abilities here, uh, the sever Dark Vigilante gets plus one skirmish damage, and again, important thing to note, all of these skirmish buff abilities persist throughout the entire activation of the Dark Vigilante. So Mm -hmm. sever gives you plus one skirmish damage. Dark Vigilante then gets to take a skirmish action. Skewer, Dark Vigilante gets piercing. Now, important to note, that piercing is for everything, including its attack as well. Now, its attack is, of course, only a two plus the flip, but nevertheless, still gets you piercing, which means that even tanks aren't safe from Dark Vigilante once he's used the skewer ability. And then finally, the last special ability, Slash. Skirmish actions may damage enemy minions, and the Dark Vigilante takes a skirmish action. So again, 19 hit points, plus one armor, two plus a flip on the attack for melee. Dark Vigilante. Again, I loved him in uh, in the summer and in the fall, but I think he's kind of fallen out a little bit of favor at the same time we saw the rise of the Sion Ambassador just because she's so much more universally useful. Yeah, they're both very good in flip decks because uh, the Sion Ambassador, all the skirmishes and attacks, are just all flip abilities. If you have modifiers, it's also, um, if you have high modifiers, it gets a lot of damage, similar to the Sion Ambassador. So mm-hmm. those the Sion Ambassador becoming more popular directly related to Dark Vigilante becoming less popular. Yes. As they kind of they they kind of they kind of go in very similar decks. The Dark Vigilante is definitely more useful. You're trying to deal damage to heroes with a lot of armor and yes. also he mm-hmm. can be very useful in clearing minions. That is true. Unless yes. it's disarmed. That is also true. Yeah. Now, <laughs> He's that, now disarmed that disarm, a lot harder. Nowadays. Now that disarm is a, is a modified uh 
on the directly on the attack instead of cutting it on in half. Yeah, with only two uh, mm -hmm. damage base on the Dark Vigilante, that basically sets his base attack at zero. Um, and so, and well, the I guess skirmish well, is a negative yeah, two. I, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, the skirmish. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and the skirmish is down there as well. Um, so yeah, make, definitely makes yeah. it much harder to clear out the main. The other advantage the Sound Ambassador has for the Dark Vigilante is that it is ranged. The sound the yes. Dark Vigilante is melee. Indeed. Mm -hmm. And um, the I, positioning, the, right? So yes, that's a that's big different. difference. So you, you are really, um, let's say, chained to, <laughs> uh, chained to be placed uh, adjacent to a tower or a nexus. And this mm -hmm. is, yeah, can really be difficult. Uh, imagine Ashen Pass, for example, uh, if you push. Yeah. Uh, to the other side of the map, then this is really difficult for yes. Dark Vigilante. And that, and before we change the the spawn rules for the minions, where the minions would always snap to the the control token. Oh, yes. uh, like I had that problem often because like I'd win I'd win the lane and send the control token flying at my opponent's tower, and then mm -hmm. the minions would just populate all three places. So I have to spawn the Dark Vigilante at my tower, and it's like nowhere near anything. And I'm like, well, this kind of sucks. I have to blow at least one activation. I'm sorry, one AP in the activation, mm -hmm. just moving into range. Uh, and so that's one of the things I think that made me swap over from the Silent Ambassador, uh, or excuse me, from the Dark Vigilante to the Silent Ambassador. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, also, maybe the chances are a bit better now because of the yeah. different minion movement. Mm -hmm. So you don't stack uh, too much uh, on the control token now, Correct. but or run into control token, and therefore maybe there's more or a better spot for him to spawn uh, on the enemy nexus. Yes. Correct. Um, other points about the Dark Vigilante. With um, with the change to the skirmish ability, it also makes it especially hard if you're in like a, a kind of a dome brawl game on the two-lane map. You have to use an action to get into the dome because you cannot target anyone with a skirmish from outside the dome. That's true. Absolutely. That's a good point. So the new, the new skirmish rules actually kind of hurt the dark vigilante in that aspect because yes. you, you you cannot skirmish someone if you don't see if you don't have line of sight to them indeed so, so you can you, also you, kind of hide from the out from him in cover hexes yeah cover hexes dome brawl well cover hexes might be a little bit harder because if you're if your hero is adjacent to the cover hex you can still see them but yeah if you if you yes. just do a dome pile um mm -hmm. then yeah the dark vigilante at best can get two actions on yeah correct so it's definitely i feel like those rules definitely made it worse yeah. also Use the worth OG pointing out ambassador people make good choices also mm -hmm. worth pointing out the uh, skirmish, the the minion skirmish ability says you can damage minions with skirmish abilities. You you can also target them with that ability that to actually work with the new rules. <laughs> oh, didn't think about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. You can't react with cards. Yeah, you can't play target, cards during so... the, the outsider phase, anyways. But so it doesn't really really yeah. matter. But I believe that also means if a minion is in a cover hex, that so you don't. Don't oh, I see your point. You. Yeah, that's a good point. You wouldn't be able to get. I mean, to be fair though, if you're yeah. if there's a minion in a cover hex, no matter what map you're on, there's gonna be other minions that are are available to skirmish. Mm -hmm. But that is a good point though. You are correct. Uh, not not always on the two lane map. If the the control token is all the way like off on the side adjacent to the tower, there's there's the yeah, two but... cover hexes right there. You can put the mini have the minions in those two cover hexes. Right, but you'll still you have to have at least one on the control point, so you can still get that one. Mm -hmm. The control point could be in the cover hex. Can you get it there? Oh, that's a good point. Come yeah. on. That's hey, my, migra my migraine section is later in this episode, not now. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, um, then the minion is just not a valid target. Yeah. And you just wouldn't get there. So yeah. I, I don't really see the problem. I just see 
Okay, I can't kill that specific minion yeah. with that action. Okay, got it. This this is an engineer making the problem more difficult than it needs to be. So standard yeah. pr operating procedure. Absolutely. It, it just it, it's just worth mentioning to people it that is. you do I agree. actually aside. have to be able to target it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That is Which true. Is, yeah. To the skirmish. Yeah. Absolutely. That being said, if you give the dark vigilante frenzy, mm, that can be a very that's scary be a dark. good man. That can be a very scary dark vigilante. I'm also yes. honestly I'm kind of tempted to test that out. <laughs> yeah, that actually sounds like fun. Like it does Let's require see. a little bit of setup there with like both a worship action or or like yeah, a decree of Karuma and the exhaustion. Mm -hmm. But like I feel like that actually you, you set that up well. That could be some big damage. Yeah, and you need to win it. And... Yeah, yeah, you also need to win it too. Otherwise, you're in big trouble. <laughs> yes. Or you need to second exhaustion. <laughs> you can you use the exhaustion at the the like the very end of the round. Yeah, you can do when it. You kind of know who's winning it, and so you can choose whether to make it disarmor frenzy. That is very true. Oh, uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. All right. Next on our list here. Oh, before we do that, uh, Dark Vigilante usage percentage here, 15% as well. Wow. Who ordered these? Holy cow. Um, oh, well. <laughs> we won't mention it. We won't. No, yeah. We wouldn't want, no, we wouldn't we want RG to look dumber than he does on a regular basis. <clears throat> with so, helmet. With the helmet. Yes. Luckily, with the helmet, you guys can't see how embarrassed I am at my mess ups. Oh, well. <laughs> Next outsider. So now I definitely have the last two in order because these are the least two used here, uh, used outsiders of the set. First up, oh, Lord. Lord of the Ancestors, which is Kotlik's corrupted edition. So Lord of the Ancestors here, who has a 11% usage rate over all time, uh, must spawn adjacent to a friendly minion. Uh, and so his abilities include invoke the ancestors, spawn a friendly minion, advance and conquer, moved move the target control token one hex, and finally, Overwhelm. Choose a friendly minion on the battlefield, place it adjacent to another friendly minion on the battlefield. And of course, his stats. He is a melee hero, as Kotlik is as well. Two plus the flip on the attack damage, 19 hit points, and one armor. Yeah. What do we think about this? I mean, he general, um, generally appears to be a good choice for control decks or for late push decks. Indeed. Absolutely. As you can move the control token, for example, one hex, you can spawn a minion or you can swap minions. Uh, at least the position of a minion, maybe in a lane, if you like to have a friendly minion on another position, or you can just take away one from your minion in one lane and put it on, which is yeah, quite interesting. But uh, I personally didn't use that ability too often. Mm -hmm. Moving the control token, I often see the that this is quite useful yep um either to defend your your tower or your nexus or to put more aggression uh, in the yes. lane and spawning a minion is always yeah yeah if you like for example if you tie in a lane but you win the lord of the ancestors you can use advance and conquer and kick the control token into three of your opponent's tower and start dealing damage when it would have otherwise been a tie or conversely if your opponent only wins by one you can push the control token back, back into the neutral territory uh, yep. and not worry about having to take damage at the end of next round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've actually... So I think there's kind of been two schools of thought in using the Lord of Ants. Mm -hmm. The one is he, in most situations, the least impactful outs. I will agree so if with you that want to, mm -hmm. If you want to kind of make the dome less important, then don't want them. to get blown away by yeah. your by opponent using really impactful outsiders, mm -hmm. and if you don't really want to prioritize it, then he's a good outsider to bring, as you don't need to worry about getting destroyed by the opponent having the. Mm -hmm. The other school of thought is if you if you're going for a deck that's really really dead set on control, 
um, and trying to push the opponent's towers and nexus as hard as possible. Mm-hmm. He can be a very good outsider in those situations. I think if you're going for a control deck, I think him and the Terror are the most important options. Yes. Yes. Makes sense. Makes Especially sense. on the two-lane map, with the, like with Lord of Answers on the two-lane map, you can use the uh, Overwhelm ability, like if you're just trying to push really hard on one side. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like yep. going for a Breach, you can Around take a minion from the other side. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care about that lane. I want to focus on this lane. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. if your if your breach lane is uh, control token one, um, then yeah, mm-hmm. just you know funnel all of your strength over there. Move one minion over, spawn another minion, maybe attack the final minion or whatever, um, and just say, all right, we're we're gonna blow up your tower, and because mine resolves before yours does, you lose. It can go very good in Slakali on Burial Right style decks. Uh, to come. Mm-hmm. What a what a champ! Yeah, yes. uh, there's a deck I've actually been testing recently on Ashen Pass that uses Slakali on Burial Rights stuff like that that just tries to push Nexus really hard. And okay. mm-hmm. the Lord of the Ancestors is, is the outsider. I'm interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely. If you're a I've been testing a lot of decks in case you couldn't tell. Oh yeah, I can <laughs> confirm as, as <laughs> somehow getting roped into being on his game team. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell you that is an accurate statement. Testing a lot of decks, which makes be, which allows me to give a lot of insight on a very on a wide variety of topics rather than just blue. Yeah, we're not going to give you that much credit. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't just... say good insight. I said some insight. That's but... valid. And as we know, sometimes there is a thing as bad insight. <laughs> that was I'm good still insight. Thinking there. about a reaction on your on your statement. <laughs> I mean, a migraine is a reaction. Oh yes! Oh, All right. no, oh yes! No, no! <laughs> a sink, uh, a sinkhole is also a reaction. It is. Redirect is also a reaction. By the way, redirect. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sleeper OP card, not necessarily related to today's episode, but like if you have yellow heroes, you should probably have redirect in your uh, in your bag of tricks. Absolutely. Even if it's even if it's only like a one or two copy of there, like I have seen a lot of really good redirects where you can bounce the attack onto an outsider and then they end up retaliating and whacking the offending hero for a lot more damage than the offending hero did in the first place. Um, or yeah. just being able to save, you know, minions or heroes. So redirect, I think is going to be a, a really good card in season two. The new outsider rules and the new skirmish rules. Yes. Both make that a lot stronger. And fun fact, uh, the opponent has a hero at like two HP and they attack you and you respond. Re- redirect their attack to the outsider and the outsider attacks back and kills them that does count as a kill for tamer indeed mm-hmm. yep yes. counts as a kill for tamer which uh you know that you know there were there were some questions about you know what constitutes a tamer kill and eventually you know ricardo tape and the, the judge crew basically said if the outsider is somehow involved in eliminating the hero it's a tamer yeah. point, which honestly i think is is how it should be and is awesome yep that is true all right, so Lord of the Ancestors, like we said, very good in control. Uh, or if you want to make the dome ultimately kind of useless, uh, or not necessarily useless, but less impactful. I shouldn't say useless because it can still do things. If you want to make yes. the dome le- losing the dome less impactful, Lord of the Ancestors is your choice. And so that brings us to the final outsider. Um, <laughs> thematically, probably, I think, one of the coolest ones that is designed. Practically speaking, I feel one of the least useful. Scourge of Puido, which is Akima's possessed form, uh, or corrupted form, whatever. Uh, so the Scourge of Puido, one of the main issues with the Scourge of Puido is its spawn conditions, uh, which is that the Scourge of Puido replaces a friendly hero in the dome that it resides in. That hero is considered possessed. 
At the end of the activation, place the possessed hero adjacent to the Scourge of Puido. So if you go into the dome, but your opponent just scatters to the winds uh, in the lane, uh, you know, doesn't really matter. Because as we're about to find out, all three of the Scourge's special attacks require target adjacency. So number one, Reckless Fury. Scourge of Puido deals three plus one card flip damage to an adjacent enemy. And then the possessed hero loses one plus a flip HP. So you're thinking, hey, I can put the Scourge in a flip deck and deal massive damage. Yeah, you're also going to deal massive damage to yourself. Don't do it. Spirit Siphon. Target adjacent enemy hero loses half of their HP. The possessed hero loses the same amount. Okay. And then finally, Relentless Pursuit. Move the Scourge of Puido three hexes and then apply fast to the possessed heroes. Its attack is, again, as we mentioned, being based off a of chemo, a melee attack. Double flip on the cards, the only outsider to get two flips on its attack action. 18 HP and no armor. Also the only outsider with zero armor. Now, fun fact about that Reckless Fury. I did not realize it until the other day when I had a game against Giacomo and he brought the Scourge of Puido. And I was okay. using a control deck that doesn't really want to be doing much damage. That isn't really looking to do damage to heroes. And... I had won the Scourge of Puido, and okay. I don't really want to be hurting myself with it either, so I'm sure. trying to figure out how do I use this. And I read that mm -hmm. ability, and that Reckless Fury ability does not mention Hero, so you can actually use that to kill minions. That is true. Um, and another <laughs> fun thing that happened in that situation, um, this deck I was using has pretty low modifiers, including the Hero Competition I brought that game had okay. nine minus ones in it. Ooh, um, okay. And I really trusted my myself to flip that minus one, and I flipped the minus one on the part that hurt myself, and so I hurt <laughs> didn't hurt myself at all while I killed nice. that minion, and it was beautiful. Nice. <laughs> my, my biggest my biggest fear is that I'm gonna have like two copies of like slide or something that's a minus one. Mm. I'm gonna flip the minus one on the oh, on the deal damage on the three, and then I'm gonna flip like a, an ultimate or a psychic <laughs> shield. On the possessed hero loses part, so basically I deal more damage to myself than the enemy, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> this feels so bad right now. Yeah, I think the advice that you gave, don't use him in a flip deck, might make sense. Yeah, in, like <laughs> it just with like this, that's the thing. <laughs> with it's, that it, yeah, it, it like it looks like it it looks like fun, but two of the three abilities require you to hurt yourself, and so it's just like, <laughs> eh, not sure if worth. I am not feeling this. And again, mm -hmm. requires target adjacent as well. So it's not like, like you know, the other heroes can do some sort of shenanigans. Like even the Terror of the Endless Night, Dreadful Majesty uh, is a target ability. So you can pull people three hexes away, provided mm -hmm. you a line of sight, of course. Uh, you know, Dark Vigilante gets to go zoom, zoom with these bonus skirmish actions. Silent and Outsider uh, both have ranged attack. Lord of the Ancestors, we mentioned, really isn't a combat-oriented uh, outsider, but like for the Scourge, which is a combat-oriented outsider, you just mm -hmm. have to have target adjacency, and the spawn rules really, really hurt it because you just position your heroes away from your opponent. Oh, they win the dome, and eh, no problem. They have to blow one or two actions just getting into range to you. Yeah. So now you're probably asking, after we've been talking about all the problems and all the reasons to use other outsiders over it, why would you use the Scourge if we? Tell me, Ryan, why would I use the Scourge? <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask as well. So, Terra's one. Um, <laughs> um, so I can say the game I played against Jacmo the other day where he brought the Scourge, he brought it because he was going for hunting for power. And it has zero armor. Indeed. It is the easiest outsider to kill in terms of in terms of HP and armor. Correct. Um, and mm. if you don't have the piercing, that is a better option than the OG outsider. Yep. Zero armor, before. never gonna get never gonna be able to reduce any damage that it takes. Yep. Um 
so that's one reason. I think also if you are a very aggressive deck, but you're relying more on like card effects, like maybe Strength of the Pack or mm. maybe Lord of the Many or things like Soul Scream or whatever to deal damage okay. and not really relying on modifiers. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that that can be a very good option there, especially if you're against a, a deck that is not running, that's not really going for kills. Sure. Because then it allows you to, you don't have to worry about hurting yourself as much. So you get can get a lot of damage in, without relying on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So even even though, you know, as we said, Scourge of Puido is down there with the Lord of the Ancestors, 11% usage rate. Uh, I still won't forget there was uh, there was one time before COVID kind of locked Italy down, Game Slayer and I were doing <laughs> uh, a, a live cast of an uh, Italian in-person tournament and there was double scourge on the Ashen Pass. Mm. Oh, it was glorious! It was beautiful. Um, back with the old rules. Back with the old rules. It was it was beautiful. Back back in the day. De- back in my day. Back in the days. <laughs> back when we could use uh, when we had two outsiders on Ashen Pass. Going yeah. forward, that's not a thing we can do anymore. So the most we can see is one. Scourge. Pour one out for the dead Ashen Pass. Hey, <laughs> you can still see two. You can still see uh, two scourges on three lane. Yeah, no one plays three lane. Unless you're like three lane, honestly, is a game that you play whenever you're sitting around with your friends and having a drink, and you want to like BS and just play a game that is an intermedium there, and you also have like four hours to like no one, no, I have I have seen a handful of people actually playing. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's fun if you set it up and you've got alcohol and whatnot. If you're underage and you're listening to this, don't drink unless you're legal age in the country that you reside. Um, but like three lane is just not a, a competitive map, I think, that we see as opposed to the Ashen or the two lanes of which have one. Yep. I uh, I actually, some, at one point last year, uh, Julius and I decided to play our Clash game on the three lane map, and it Why was a lot of fun. ever do that to you? It was a lot of fun. That sounds so painful. Oh. <laughs> we, we were looking to try something different and just, just have some fun. That's fair. And it was a lot of fun. And yeah. I'm sure, I know he enjoyed it too. All right. Well, there you go. If you had fun and he had fun, then that's really all that like that would be. Fun. And no Kenways were involved. Good. Oh. Good choice. <laughs> you can make good life decisions. <clears throat> all right. So uh, any other final thoughts? You know, it's, again, Scourge of Puido, pretty straightforward. Again, a lot of negatives. But as Ryan did point out, a couple positives. Um, you can use it for hunting for power. If you also have a mostly zero modifier deck, then not so necessarily worried about accidentally flipping the big guns on the possessed hero, losing HP during the Reckless Fury ability. Uh, another thing too, also, if you're running like Kichie or something, uh, or you have life steals, you could use the Spirit Siphon ability to cut someone's HP in half and yours, and then turn on the life steal if you have first player activation, just kind of heal up. Uh, the rest of the HP that you were missing, provided mm. obviously that you're able to get that off. But again, it is a risk. The Scourge of Puido, I think, is the definition of the high risk, high reward outsider. Um, Double edged sword. Yes, very much. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Very much. Go, he's the go bigger go home. He's the Brazilian outsider. That's fair. <laughs> 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 All right, so oh, yeah, we've talked a lot. We've talked I a mean lot that. About I meant that as it's very aggressive and lots of bloodshed, by the way, just to clarify that. <laughs> yeah, thanks thanks for offending an entire section of our community. Like that. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> that. You know, we're trying to grow this podcast, and then you go and make those comments. Um, yeah. Let me see in the comments if he wants to kick off Ryan. I've been campaigning for it ever since we took over. <laughs> I support, then hopefully, finally, my wish will come true. Yeah, I'm curious how we will race from the ashes now. Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> 
Oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah. So I think we did a good job there. Um, you know, if you have any more specific <laughs> questions regarding the six outsiders, please do let us know. Uh, we will try to address them in an episode that is, you know, a little bit closer than two months after you ask your question. Um, Absolutely. We we do again. We do. We are going to blame Giacomo for the delay on this episode uh, because it literally is his fault. Um, I mean, obviously, Ricardo <laughs> probably had some hand in it, but, you know, we don't really blame Ricardo for things. We just blame Giacomo. So um, blame Giacomo yeah. that we didn't answer this question until now. Mm-hmm. All right. So then real quick, since I know we are kind of already shooting over an hour mark here and we don't want to you know, keep our listeners tied down too, too long. But let's talk, you know, briefly real quick about our first impressions of season two. I know you guys mentioned you've gotten a couple games in. The new clash is underway on the Ashen Pass with the new rules. So what, what are you guys seeing? We talked a little bit about that, but summarize you know a little bit more um directly your thoughts on the season two changes yeah Should I do it first huh uh Would you like to go first yeah just i can just try go first he'll let you go first yeah <laughs> i i now have to find a way that uh he can't jump in right after so <clears throat> just mute him don't you have yeah just, just, there you go just silence yeah him. oh oh there's the mute button I, okay, I intentionally waited and no one said anything. So I was like, you want to go? It's, it's like that weird case whenever you get to the door. It's like, please go ahead. No, you please go ahead. No, you please go ahead. Oh, come exactly. On. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Zarek was trying to talk, Ryan. Come cool. on. Uh, the new rules helped me with my math a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's uh, much more easier uh, with uh, Francie and Disarm, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting that it affects both uh, the attack and the skirmish action. Yes. Which I think is, yeah, really a new way to understand the game. Or mm-hmm. uh, w- even with the skirmish, of course, you have to, yeah, let's say, um, okay, I'm forgetting the words, as always, uh, you have to prepare. Yes. Moves, let's yes, say a bit more. I had the feeling in the beginning, uh, it's like learning the game uh, from a new spot or a new point of view again. Okay. Let's say. Sure. Um, there were some situations when I had to get back to, oh no, I can't do this. That's the ro- old rule. I have to do it the other way, and I have to maybe declare a target or mm-hmm. um, frenzy does not seem as strong as it was before. Mm-hmm. Let's say. Um, but in the end, I don't have that feeling really now playing with rules. I think it's, I really think it's much more streamlined. It's, it might be to get into the game, I think, mm-hmm. uh, for new players. Uh, I had for sure two introduction games. Oh, nice. Um, and I think, I hope uh, that the players which, which are interested to the game um, <clears throat> had an easier start as before, for example. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's just just a feeling. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't describe it in numbers or in situations that I would say this is this is really a difference because of that or, or this. Mm-hmm. It's just a feeling that I think it's yeah. It's more streamlined. It's um, yeah. It's yeah. Feeling more like a MOBA in some ways, of course. Yes, I would say it's feeling even more than it has has been that I had the feeling before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm positive. I'm totally positive with the with the changes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what what we could debate about is the changes in Ashen Pass, for example. Um, so, so, so yeah, the... yeah. No, no, just, <laughs> just. I, I don't want to jump too deep into 
uh, why do I just have to bring one outsider and why can't we just both outsiders and such stuff? So um, it's just no, it's it's just uh, another part that I would talk about, like uh, obstinacy, for example. Oh, oh my class. god! So this is so we're, we're already at an hour five recording. Do you want this? Yeah, to go no, to like 3. no, no, no. Here between the two of those points. No, no, just. For me, it's just a dedicated. He's just trying to trigger us both at once, and uh, he's done yeah, a great he job. Really, Zara, Zara is the <laughs> troll of this of this crew here. I'm I'm impressed, Ryan. You've been replaced. So for, for, for viewers who haven't been on the just, show just before, take, just oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Do, do you just cut my the friendship, and you just say I'm trolling more than Ryan? Wow. Yes, I did. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> uh, so so for viewers who haven't actually been on the show before, um. What uh, what you need to know is we we kind of do a Google Doc where we have a very brief um, kind of outline of what we're going to do for the show, uh, where we have kind of the different parts and, and we take some questions for the community and from the guests as mm-hmm. appropriate whatnot. Uh, and so so today's script, you know, we have the introduction here, blah blah blah, discussion about the six outsiders, their pros <laughs> and cons, why you might bring each one. Then the next topic here was. Discussion about first impressions of season two. Keep it brief before Commander starts ranting about how much he hates the dome changes yet again. <laughs> and so what's the first thing that you do, Zergal? You talk about the dome changes. Like, no, did I you didn't talk... read this document at all? I did talk three minutes and 30 seconds about other stuff. Okay? And I didn't keep it brief. <laughs> yeah, you literally failed every single aspect of this note. And, like... and a... I did take a picture, of course, so you don't have to describe what is on the sheet. Oh, did you? Nice. Okay, excellent. So we, they can see this. Okay, wonderful. Oh, yes. We can see everything. Uh, oh, oh, I thought you said we were doing audio only today. <laughs> no, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, only you. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. oh, oh only, only you're not um, you're only you're on video. Everyone else is audio only. No. I mean, all right. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Ryan, your thoughts about season two. Go ahead. Uh, first, I would like to comment on something Zargul mentioned. He's mentioned no. that the uh, the math is a lot easier. Well, that is definitely true. I can actually say with full honesty that I still messed up the math. <laughs> Let us remind you that by profession, Ryan is an engineer, which uh, you know yes. should make you very concerned. <laughs> math is hard, <sighs> as are time zones. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Especially now that we're doing daylight changes and half of us have changed and the other half of the world hasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, for the most part, actually love the changes. Um, some very important notes touched on a little bit before. Um, mm-hmm. The outsider changes have been very good, I think. Yes. I've actually, I have definitely been on record saying I'm skeptical that it has fixed hunting for power. Um, mm-hmm. So far, I mm-hmm. haven't seen issues with it. Mm-hmm. I still think that someone is going to find a way to break it. Um, I mean, but yeah. I have not seen that happen yet. So, so far, it seems that the outsider changes have all been great, which is We awesome. just need some new cards. So, like, once May rolls around, like, the breaking begins all over again. Yeah. I, I still think I still think there are certain ways. Like, I was actually very close in a game uh, yesterday to actually just one-shotting the outsider with a single action mm-hmm. uh, using Double Lord of the Many. Um, Ooh, very nice. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I, of course, I need an Eloquent, of course, to, yeah, to worship the cast both of them. Or wait till round four, both of which I almost did. But uh, unfortunately, my opponent did just enough minion clearing that I wasn't quite able to one-shot it. And I mm-hmm. unfortunately did not chip away at it earlier, which I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. So I, I don't think it's been fully solved, but I definitely think... I haven't seen issues with 
it's not the same problem that we we kind of saw at the end of last year where it was turn two activation one hundred to zero game over. I mean, double Lord of the Many could still do that, but. True, or but it's, Lord it's, of the Many ramp, or Lord of the Many rampant hatred with with Meliklin. That's also there, there are still ways to do it, but it's it's harder. Yes, it's harder. Which is important. It shouldn't be easy. Right, because yeah. you the game. Also, I think disarm got mm-hmm. a lot stronger. So yeah, so so disarm definitely got better against lower value attacks, and then weaker against the higher value attacks. Like Akimo just kind of shrugs off disarm now. Um, but like, if you're, if you're working with like specialists, which to be fair, there are a number of popular specialists, mm-hmm. um, you know, Freyhill, Estrita, Yami, just to name a couple, uh, yeah, Disarm is actually making it so that minions might not die if you... Yes. And Absolutely. Frenzy so... has changed a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly feel like in some cases, Frenzy is going to be most useful and that it kind of counters Disarm. Yes. Mm, they are now yes. they are now exactly symmetrical as opposed to mostly symmetrical. Absolutely. But disarm can be useful at, it can be useful on its own while frenzy I think in a lot of cases is more useful just countering disarm. Granted there are plenty of cases where it can be useful just as normal frenzy especially mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier with like dark vigilante or Goldbrand with skirmishes stuff like that. So in the end maybe uh disarm could be an option against control decks. I think or so. against yes, yeah. push decks, yeah, yep. which is which is uh, a whole new thing, absolutely. Yeah. Can't can't push yeah. if you can't kill the minions. Yes. Yeah, I've been um, toying with uh, having something like a snow blind on a core here that you always bring, whether you're against aggro sure. or control. Yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and do, on do Ashen you... Pass, I absolutely hate obstinacy. <laughs> yes, we know. Oh, did I mention that? I did mention that. You did. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, Zergle, don't worry. You hit all the important nerves. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also, tech. Perfect. The, with the rule changes to the dome, Tactician has also gotten a lot worse. Yeah, Tactician takes forever to win now. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is such a slog. Although, luckily, apparently that's going to get replaced um, with the new cards, but we still do the next three months with it. So mm-hmm. Both of them, I believe, are. Correct. Yeah. Um, Look forward uh, to that. I'm sure and... we'll get we'll get to start leaking. Well, I know, I know I've heard obstinacy. I'm not sure about tactician. Uh, yeah, I heard it's like I heard it's like 90 that that uh, tactician's gonna go. Obstinacy is pretty much guaranteed. We'll uh, we'll hopefully leak some of those details at a closer yes. time, unless Ryan just does it ahead of schedule, anyways. Because Ryan, I don't know any information. Stories. Okay, I uh, <laughs> I leak things accidentally. I don't know things. Uh-huh, yep, <laughs> yeah. That's, yep, okay. Just shotgunning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kaboom! 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 <laughs> Take a thousand <laughs> shots. You're gonna hit something. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently, if you're me, take 10 shots at 5. Uh, accurate. Okay. Let's say 2. Yeah. Let's say 2. Yeah. two we, don't give, we don't want to give him that much credit. That might give no. him like, some self confidence. We don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have to have too much of that. It's true. All right. Um, we were um, about to I think mention the, one... the mana changes. Oh, yeah. The we one... should mention those as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, but finish what I was about to say. I think sure. um, the one major, major. I don't know if I want to say downside, but major change mm-hmm. uh, to with the rules is the Ash and Patch games. Well, both maps really, but especially Ash and Patch, the games take a lot longer. Yes, yes, and and, and that I, I think to me that that could be kind of an issue because like I, I I think they stated they wanted to make the games longer, but like you know like especially if you get stuck into a game where both you and your opponents are very deliberate and take a lot like because honestly we've talked about this ad nauseum so i'm not going to go sky tear is a game where it is very very easy to get analysis paralysis and just sit there for like five minutes thinking what am i supposed to do here uh and Mm. so so with the games now being a little bit slower that can you know essentially add 10 20 minutes to a game um 
and some games were already going an hour, mm-hmm. hour 30 uh, and whatnot. So, so that is, you know, an, a side effect. And, and again, that, that I think is more of a personal perspective. Do you like longer games? I like shorter games personally, um, because, you know, using the Smeoz and Calibra mentality, if each game, individual game is shorter, that means I have time games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I only really think of it as a problem in tournaments where there is a yes. time limit. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if that becomes an issue at the next uh, qualifier. I do have a bet on record with Giacomo that um, you bet a third one of the game. Sky Terrace. Like, <laughs> that's literally the equivalent of saying, hey, RG, let's bet a nickel that this happens. Like, if you're going to make a bet, at least make it a good one, sir. Come yeah. on. Hey, he, he, suggested, he suggested the one shard. Probably because I'd be willing. I'd be willing to up that. it. I'd be willing to up that. So, Giacomo, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, maybe we should renegotiate the uh, terms of our bet. Yeah. But Absolutely. I am on record with betting that a third of the games will have uh, time issues at the qualifier next week. Yep. At and least that, a third. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, very shortly whether once again Ryan is a hit or a miss. Does his accuracy go up or down? I'm still with twenty percent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm actually going to side with, as, as, as distasteful as this is to me, I'm actually going to side with Ryan. I, I think a lot. I don't know if it's necessarily yeah. 33%, but I do think a larger portion of games. We'll see, see. You, you could have also just said you're going to side against Argo and it wouldn't have sounded as, as distasteful. Uh, maybe. I don't know. All right, moving <laughs> on with our lives. So as Zergal <laughs> did mention, there were a number of kind of minor changes. Uh, obviously, um, we did do a major changes episode, which was the the fire point for a lot of the hostility in the uh, podcast today. Um, we did do a, a major <laughs> changes. That's true. <laughs> hostility? Um, yes. Anger, <laughs> anger, vengeance, disappointment in you and your your meanness. RG, right? how was your date last night? Uh, so the first oh, thing that on. we have to change is the line of sight rules. So line of sight uh, basically was changed such that adjacent elements ignore cover. Uh, and so specifically, this uh, affects mostly Nantaka and Tlakali ultimates. So before, in order to see into a bush, you needed to have a hero adjacent to the cover hex. Now, if you have a minion that is adjacent to uh, the cover hex, that minion is also able to see in, which again, useful for the Nantaka ultimate uh, that allows her to attack a target, plus also those that are adjacent to uh, minions as well. And then similarly with Takali ultimate, except instead of minions, uh, it is within line of sight of a pillar. Um, being able to apply conditions. So very important change, I think, there um, that can open up some strategic play. Uh, The second change also, cards and effects that spawn minions no longer require towers, so this is pretty big. Uh, Before it was the case, if your tower went kaboom, there were no more minions in that lane for you for the rest of the game. Now you can use something like a Bewitch, you can use um, a Call of the Pack, you can use the Estrita effect in order to spawn minions you just don't get Umbrella the right. two at the end of the round the next change marked hero uh and this i referenced a little bit earlier whenever i was praising how awesome yami is uh the enemy hero is chosen uh the enemy hero chosen by the the karuma worship action is considered to be the quote-unquote marked hero even if the mark is prevented or removed prior to the worship skill resolving uh which basically means that if you target someone with the hogasai uh, uh fine flame don't target Uh, Well, sorry, if you select, excuse me. Yeah, good point. I should not use the word target. If you select uh, a hero with the the Purifying Flame, if you select a hero with Yami's Worship Action, even if they use something like Release the Spirits or if they let the Worship Resolve and then before the damage comes through, Mm -hmm. um, because those are actually separate effects. Most people don't realize that. There is a window there for you to react. Um, 
with uh, with whatever, but you can't release the spirits and prevent the damage. Um, so that is, you know, just kind of a clarification thing. And again, as I mentioned, Yami Buff, woohoo. Uh, the next one, alternative. Um, well, hold, on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, with Kichi, um, yes. uh, can Kichi then worship if she doesn't have line of or isn't within three of any Kichi enemies? Can, uh, one? The last that I heard, Kichi get if Kichi can worship and doesn't have anyone to mark, then he just gets to predict one. But he, he can do that. He doesn't actually need Correct. to have someone to mark them. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of those cases of do as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. And I'm sure that, that tape is going. I'm sure tape is going to comment on this episode and reply and said, "No, we changed that." What are you doing? You're giving the people false information. Yeah. Oh, well. That's fine. <laughs> That's uh, we know what we're talking. We know what we're talking about, right? Yeah. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, the fifth change, uh, and again, we uh, Ryan alluded to this a little bit earlier. Uh, the Golbjorn skirmish. So Ursine Rage, which is Golbjorn's ability whenever he's shapeshifted, now counts as essentially an alternative action. Ryan made the point earlier. You know, skirmishes now require targeting. Uh, Golbjorn's Skirmish, because it is an AoE swipe attack, does not actually require targeting. However, uh, the difference is, if Golbjorn loses Shapeshift, so for example, you must declare at the uh, onset of the Skirmish action, are you doing a standard Skirmish where you target someone, move to, and then attack them specifically, or are you going to use the Ursine Rage where you move to and then do the 1-2-3 swipe hit? If you declare Ursine Rage and your opponent then removes the shapeshifting ability uh, via, you know, a charm, via exhaustion, release the spirits, whatever the case may be, in that situation, your entire skirmish fizzles. You don't get to undo that action um, and, and, you know, take the normal skirmish action. You're done. So very important to note there. And similarly, um, this was already the case in the previous rules, but just as a clarification point, Eckert's Wind Barrier also works like this. As we know, when Eckert has her Wind Barrier, or excuse me, when she has her Illusion out, she can opt to do that four-line uh, AoE hit as long as it hits through the Illusion, hits everything in the path. If the opponent destroys the Illusion before the attack action resolves, then, of course, the whole thing fizzles. And then finally, the last action, uh, this was actually uh, one that I missed and I think is actually very important, is replacement effect ordering. So this specifically is kind of an aim directly at Freyhill as this is the most prevalent thing. So before, Freyhill, as we know, notorious for changing healing cards into damage cards via a replacement effect from Mistress of Withering. Before, if I played something like a Reclaim Life on my hero, it would depend who was the active player. So, you know, I'm playing Ryan here, and Ryan decides he's going to get up to his Suicide Squad vengeance BS shenanigans. He uses Sacrifice on Freyhill, turns that into damage, uh, damages my hero, and then gets to trigger a revenge against my hero because Freyhill has lost HP from the Sacrifice. Um, if Ryan was the active hero, I couldn't use a Reclaim Life to steal that replaced uh, healing effect away and take the damage there. Now... Replacement effects, uh, the order in which replacement effects occur is always determined by the hero, excuse me, by the owner of the hero on which the effect is resolving. So in this case, Ryan can use that sacrifice on me. It doesn't matter whether it's his turn or my turn. As long as I play the reclaim life, I get to decide, does the reclaim right life resolve and therefore steal the heal? Or would I, for some reason, allow Freyhill's replacement effect to go off and damage my Yeah, this is a good summary of all that complicated changes in the background. Yes. I think. Yep. Which is uh, also minor changes, but I think quite important changes, right? Yes. Correct. So, One for example, quick I... clarification. Oh, oh sorry. Sure. Want to quick, quick clarify. Uh, where we said the elements now um, 
have like their own line of sight thing that that first mm-hmm. one that you mentioned yeah that is that really only um is relevant for uh some of the ultimates yes. like um call the queen and Tlakali. so yeah. the yes it when it says when it it allows them to see into cover. You don't need to have, like, if a mini is adjacent to a cover hex and you don't have another hero adjacent to it, Call the Queen would still hit that hero. Correct. And also, another important point uh, also to consider, the unlike the, the heroes providing vision for the rest of the heroes, the minion does not provide vision for the rest of the team. So if I have a minion mm-hmm. next to a bush where Zergul's got a hero, that particular minion can see it, uh, see Zergul's hero for, again, the purposes of an Antak yes. ultimate or whatever, but mm-hmm. I can't have my um, Tilakali, who's hanging out in another Hex 3 away, use that minion being adjacent to Zergul's hero uh, in order to target his hero. I need to get mm-hmm. an actual hero next to and adjacent in order to reveal the, the, bush, um, the bush hero. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, for example, I didn't, uh, in the first place, get the replacement effect order correct, as I didn't even get it right that reclaim life is a replacement yes it is yeah it's because the idea is instead of you healing my or instead of your your heal we'll go back to the sacrifice issue instead of ryan's healing on my uh healing sacrifice on my hero i'm now taking that and replacing that with your healing the caster yes this is those are quite complicated uh technical things i think i think in the background and sometimes edge cases, but uh, interesting for the players who are more into the game, mm-hmm. uh, of course. So uh, it's it was important to mention those changes. Yes. All right. So uh, I think then that takes care of all the notes that we want to do. So we'll get to uh, our uh, other recurring segments here. <laughs> yep. And try and go through them a little bit fast because this is a fairly long episode here. We keep saying we're going to make a shorter episode, and we keep lying to ourselves every week. <clears throat> yep. I thought we'd be done 30 minutes. Well, we thought... I was, ho- more like I was hoping. <laughs> I was hoping. Sorry. Not, Hope is not no basis second. for planning, as we can see. <clears throat> yep. So, uh, this week, uh, for example, I don't actually have a specific uh, instance for it, but I played a lot of the games over the past week, mm-hmm. and I-, I kind of noticed this over a couple of games that... A lot of times, and I'm sure a lot of people have been in this situation, you have a hero and you have a difficult, you have a decision. Yes. Do I attack a minion or do I lead? And it can be a very difficult decision. And I've kind of realized this week that earlier in the round, I, I, if you have that decision, unless you specifically want to lead with somebody later for a specific le- reason, mm-hmm. it's better to get the lead out early because you don't want to be stuck in a position where you want to have a hero someplace else, mm. but because you didn't have a lead there, you're forced to bring the hero into that lane. Right. If you get the lead out earlier, it gives you more options later. That is very There true. obviously are reasons not to do it this way. Like, this hero has four HP left. I'm going to go lead from hand. Maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're trying to debate them into, into going after the hero, and then you bring out a, a uh, psychic shield to prevent their atomic oh, yes. slam. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so that was a one HP. <laughs> That's fair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was, so there was that yeah, even HP a one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but there, there close. obviously are exceptions. Or if you, you know, you want to use a presence later, and that hero doesn't have blue runes. You know, there are yes. obviously reasons why you might do something big. But if you don't have a specific reason not to, I think it's better to get the lead out earlier. Sure, absolutely. Give yourself more options later. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that was my uh, that was my sinkhole for this week. <laughs> 
We thank you for your wonderful and insightful contribution. Thank you. I have to contribute somehow, right? Sometimes. And, and clearly my way of contributing is uh, guessing foreign card names wrong, right? Uh, sure. Zargul, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> take it away and give you guys, finally, and this week, finally, uh, we get to the migraine mod. Wee! Wee! This week is sponsored. No, not sponsored. We got sponsored? This... <laughs> Holy cow! All right! I'm going to Mom! <laughs> you said I wouldn't accomplish anything. Oh, you were yeah. wrong! <laughs> you didn't accomplish anything. Oh. Uh, <laughs> now I feel sad. Yeah. No, um... <laughs> Enthusium was so kind and provided the expert French words that I'm going to oh, no. <laughs> just slam into your faces, as always. <clears throat> oh, all right, let's get this over with. And who's ready your... to get a migraine? Yeah, 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 who's ready to get a migraine? So, Hold on, and... hang on, I have some aspirin. All right, yeah. all right, we're good. I hope it's only with one S. <laughs> Spelled. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here. Yeah, no problem. Do you know what that means, by the way? Do you know what that means? Aspirin? I know what aspirin is. No, no, no. But if it has two S's. <laughs> we, uh, Ladies and I gentlemen, think... I'm now looking for new co-hosts for the Outsiders Only crew. Uh, if you are interested, please send me a DM. I will be happy to entertain literally anyone to replace Whoa, this. whoa, whoa. If you're the one who has the problem, you should leave. We're, we're, we're two here. You're one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're gonna we're gonna start the new podcast. Definitely not new and improved outsiders only. <laughs> Definitely not improved. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. So I think you're going to get the first word, RG, right? Sure. <laughs> sure. Well we'll start this off with me demonstrating how bad I am at world languages. No, you're perfect at French. I'm I'm <laughs> super happy that this here. this week is French. yeah, French is I mean it's the language of love. It's right? true. It is true. Yeah. So this is perfect for you, I think. <clears throat> okay. Um, the word, the fir first word is superet. Superet, which <laughs> either means a small shop of a big brand or the best person of a group at a given task. Superet. Superet. Oh, that's annoying because it, it sounds like like almost like a super outlet. So I feel like I want A, but usually whenever I do this, the answer is the opposite. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe this. you you should just follow your feelings. Sure, uh, we'll go with A. I've I've got <laughs> enough of these wrong. That I just don't. Care this Did you point. just direct it wrong there? <laughs> Probably as as no. the continues. Oh. No, no, no. Superette uh, is referring to a small shop of a big brand. Nice. Okay. So, um, that would have been so. That would have been so funny. Because I would have been super guy. Oh, right, I thought, oh my God, you're wrong. I actually would have <laughs> no. just quit the episode at that point and be like, you know what? Someone else does the ex <laughs> exit without me. Yeah. No. Um. And enthusiasm was so kind to give it also a description. So I just read it away, and you just have fun with it. So this word is a pretty fun one, as it's composed only of a prefix and a suffix, and Ooh, no middle interesting. component. Interesting. With this twist. The prefix is a generic superlative one, and the suffix is a generic diminutive one. Okay. The word itself is just a contradiction by structure. Super it. Okay, I think I learned a lot, and therefore I'm going to give the next word to Ryan. <laughs> Are you ready? 
as always, right? Always oh, ready. Did he leave to the bathroom? Oh no, no he's I'm here. Okay, oh, okay. Can you hear me? Okay, next word is. That oh yeah, that that's that's perfect. The next word is yaurter. Yaurter. Oh damn, I'm better pronouncing. Yaurter. Does this mean spending his time replacing meals by quick cereal and yogurt snacks? Or, <laughs> or singing nonsensical words in a language that does not exist? Please don't I, I feel like the word you just means. said was in a language that doesn't exist because you probably mispronounced it. Yaurti. Yaurti. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go back to my French knowledges, but they're mm -hmm. far away. Yaurti. Um, I'm gonna say uh, language that doesn't. The second. Sorry. Option. The second option. Singing nonsensical words in a language that does not exist is correct. Literally translated as uh, yogurt. <laughs> Often used to kindly mock French children trying to sing English songs without mastering any of the words. Possibly <laughs> inspired by the inability to sing anything properly with a mouthful of yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Who tries to sing with a mouthful of yogurt? What do the French get up to on their shows? Like, I have yeah. to assume this is some kind of weird by the way, challenge. But I by think the way, um, we've got a, I, a big, uh, big view now into the French culture. I very think. much. I thought. Yeah. They by the way, I just, I do want to take this opportunity to thank uh, Athusium for choosing such wonderful words. Honestly, yes. Yes, those were great choices. Really those were great word choices. That was really yeah. funny. So <laughs> let's. No, no, I still have. Oh, one more. Word. Yes, of course, for RG again. Are you ready? Yes, you are. No. Yes, you aren't. I know. <clears throat> so, uh, frappading, frappading, frappading. Is my frappuccino ready? Uh, something <laughs> like that. Is it a really insane person or hitting someone so strong they lose balance? A really insane person or sitting someone so hitting oh. someone so strong. I feel like a really insane person right now. Frappadi. Frappadi. Uh, I'm gonna say hitting someone really hard on the head because that's what I feel like. Yeah, it's uh Tedder. A really insane person. Ah! Okay, so I'm a frappading right now. Excellent. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a collage of two terms, each designating a crazy person. This one is funnier for the sound than anything else and it's Fair. slightly old-fashioned flavor yeah of course it is so um we just draw it back to the cards sure um first one is a red card of course siatrice brûlante siatrice brûlante is which card uh burning scar yes it is yes ryan's Dang, favorite that was fast, that was, fast. Mm -hmm. that was really fast well, the the um, Briotant kind of tipped me off that it's probably like like it was either going to be Burning Scar or Burning Rage, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I didn't know Siatrice exactly, but I figured like if Burning Scar was wrong, it was then, so I would have just gone with that. Yeah, one. yeah, absolutely correct. Um, next one is going to be a blue card. Okay, blue card. Um, coup d'épaule. Coup d'épaule. No, d'épaule. Two words. Coup and d'épaule. This is difficult. <clears throat> That's really more difficult than scar so let me just perfect um sudden okay, distraction no no it's a minus one card Jeez. okay i don't know minus ones uh bewitch nope oh oh, i know what it is nature reclaims nope there's no other blue minus ones. Oh, I, is it oh, shove? 
Yes, it's shove. shove. Okay. I never would have guessed that being shove. Jeez, yeah, why? Shove. Why did the why Could do the French need to choose, like Why do the French need to make shove so such two words Poo, and so long? Poo Poo Brian, can you try it's not a... to be racist to every yeah. community <laughs> on our show, please? We've offended the Brazilians. You've offended yes. the French. Like, can you well, try not to get us canceled, please? Well, two <laughs> times in one episode. How can we ever go back on track? Oh man, I mean, coup coup is like um um like an overthrow, it? like coup d'état. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Next one is a yellow card. Okay. Formation série. Formation série. Formation something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if it's a if it's a formation. Mm -hmm. Is that Testudo? Yes. That's Testudo. Ooh. Formation série. So I, I guess gotta say. must mean like like defensive. Maybe I guess like yes. maybe it translate as like defensive formation or yeah, something. It's, it's like a. Um, a closed formation. Ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. A closed formation. Well, that French really is a beautiful language, though. Honestly, uh, it yes. so nice. Yes, absolutely. Not not of uh, out of my mouth, but generally, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> like, like that just sounds so much better than testudo. Yeah. I I am not... still a huge fan of the the Portuguese. Just to to, to go over. Yes. Brovar's old ultimate battle cry is Grito de Batalha, which I'm pretty sure I just butchered it. But you know what? Yeah. I love it. Just what did you say? Ah, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Next card, green. Go, go, go. <laughs> green card. Okay. Uh, Seigneur de la nuit. Seigneur de la nuit. Lord of the many. Yes. Nice. That's yeah. Lord of the many. Nice. So the Lord is the Seigneur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and nuit, I don't know. Probably right I assume now, like but, masses but or it's something. Or the masses. Mass, something like that. Something so like yeah. That. Um. Yeah. Thanks for letting me finally. Give you another migraine. <laughs> Always enjoyable. Now, uh, can I, I guess, how long do I have and, to take before I take one of these pills? Four hours? Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to Ethereum another time, which uh, I, I didn't expect him to really um, describe what the words mean so mm -hmm. intensive. So that, that was really interesting. And I think, yeah. That's... Yeah, Ethereum's really good at giving you like yeah. a, a very thorough um, yeah. workthrough. So thank you very much for that, Ethereum. Thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ethereum. You did a great job. How many pills did you take now, RG? Uh, four, which is okay. the amount that you're supposed to take at once. Don't worry, mm -hmm. I'm not overdosing on, live on a podcast <laughs> here. The, four is the recommended <laughs> dosage of this particular medicine. Yeah. So he, did, he didn't overdose. I guess we didn't do better next time. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's been great here uh, for the last hour and 39 minutes. Uh, if you have any suggestions or questions you'd like for us to discuss in the future, please let us know. For right now, I am the commander, and these two I never want to see again. Have a good afternoon. You don't even uh, see us. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, next weekend, we have the uh, March uh, qualifier um, next Saturday. Um, and then next Sunday, we have the next uh, episode of Sky Tear Sunday, which will be Grey Ghost, the reigning king, against, I believe, the reigning world champion, Tim Bunn. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, guys, Anything for listening. Else? Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I want to have a good night now. <laughs> like, I'm going um, to. <laughs> RG, I believe, has officially quit the show. So, um, Zargo and I would like to say goodbye to everyone, and we'll... <laughs> The two of us will see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Outsiders only. This is Sky Terror.